0: Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. This weekend, we're continuing a series that we started last weekend called Minimized. And the idea behind this series is we're talking about the Holy Spirit over the next few weeks. But the reality is the Holy Spirit is uh, someone who has largely been minimized in our in our church cultures, in our personal lives. Uh, what we've seen is just like you might minimize a screen on your computer uh, to kind of get it out of the way, it's still there, it's still present, it's just not visible, it's not an active part of what you're doing. That's what we do with the Holy Spirit many times. We say, God, we want you. We really like you a lot. We're just uncomfortable with the Holy Spirit. And what we talked about last weekend was the Holy Spirit is God. And so if we don't like the Holy Spirit, there's part of God that we don't really like that much. So we've got to be more comfortable with who he is and what he wants to do in our lives. So last weekend, we spent a lot of time talking about who is he? And we talked about the fact that he is God, that he is a person, he's got a personality, he's got a will. We talked about the idea that he is, he is um, well, somebody who comes alongside us, and we're gonna touch on that tonight a little bit as well, but just so you know, um, the Holy Spirit is here for us, and I wanna encourage you, if you missed last weekend, uh, go back and get caught up, uh, but this weekend, um, I, I wanna talk about the question, what does he do? What does he do? And uh, if you wanna go a little deeper, there's a few resources I would encourage you to to check out. Um, There are four books that have kind of influenced me and helped me understand who the Holy Spirit is and his role in my life better. Um, And these are in no particular order, but The God I Never Knew by Robert Morris, The Holy Spirit by John Bevere, uh, The Forgotten God by Francis Chan, and the last one is called Practicing the Power by Sam Storms. These are four incredible books that that uh, I would encourage you will help you go a little deeper in your understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and what he wants to do in our lives. So when we look at this idea, what does he do? Uh, we're really just gonna jump in. So if you're taking notes, be ready. I've got five different points tonight and I've got a bunch of sub points and we've got a lot of scripture to go through because I don't want this to just be my thoughts. My... Um, Editorializing. I want you to hear from scripture. And if you, how many of you did your homework last weekend? Uh, from last weekend, read John 14, 15, and 16? So <laughs> there's a couple of people who are like, eh. I don't know what that means exactly. I'm sure in, in Blairsville right now, they're all like, yes, they've all raised their hands because they do exactly what their pastor asked them to do. So I asked you to read John 14, 15, and 16. And we're gonna cherry pick some verses from that this weekend. We're gonna walk through some of that together. And so we're gonna start in John chapter 16 and I'm gonna read in verse five. This is what Jesus is saying. He says this, but now I am going away to the one who sent me and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin, of God's righteousness, and of the coming judgment. So what does he do? What does the Holy Spirit do? He, he convicts. And most of us don't like this very much, right? Let's be honest. We, we, we would love to avoid this. If we could just live our lives without the conviction, wouldn't that be funner for us? It would, but, but that's not a, a viable pathway to holiness in the sight of God, just doing what's fun. And so what the Holy Spirit does is he convicts us because sometimes we sin and we don't even know we're sinning. Sometimes we sin and we don't even recognize that we're hurting ourselves or hurting others. And what the Holy Spirit does, he'll come alongside us and go, hey, buddy, tap, 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 right? Hey, did you know And sometimes the Holy Spirit will use others to help bring conviction into our lives too. The Holy Spirit, one of my wife's spiritual gifts is being used by the Holy Spirit to convict me. She'll be like, babe, do you know how that sounded when you said that? And I'm like, no, I did not. She'll be like, oh, yeah, you probably shouldn't have said it this way. It's like, okay, thank you very much, right? She is used by the Holy Spirit in that way. So it's interesting what it says here. Um, and remember, I gave you some context last week. John 14, 15, and 16. Jesus, this is his like farewell address. We get to John 17, and this is like his, the high priestly prayer. Um, but this is the end of his earthly ministry before he goes to the cross. And, and so he's giving them his parting shots. He's telling them who the Holy Spirit is and why he's important. And he says, I'm going away. It's important for you to go that I go away. But then he says, when the Holy Spirit comes, when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. So the first thing we see is he'll convict the world of its sin. This is where God convicts us of our stupidness. He convicts us of the times we deviate from his plan, his righteous plan for us. So he, he convicts the world of sin. He draws unbelievers to Jesus I think we get that. The second thing is God's righteousness. So when we talk about God's righteousness, um, it's talking about helping us understand who God is and how we can live rightly before God. And that doesn't mean we do it in our own strength because the Holy Spirit, as we're gonna see, shows us what the pathway to righteousness is. He shows us how to live rightly before God. Um, so this is how he convicts us of God's righteousness. So he not only shows us when we're doing something stupid, he helps, us, helps point us in the right direction so that we don't live that way anymore. And then the final thing he talks about is the coming judgment. And again, this is another thing we love talking about, right? Like, Tell us more about when we're gonna be judged. We wanna hear that. Um, and really what he's getting at is this idea that it's not just personal conviction for us, conviction of sin, conviction under righteousness, but he also brings to a, a realization for us that there is a coming judgment, not just for us, but God's judgment is for the world. And if we really understand this, then it should create some urgency in our lives to share the goodness of God with the people around us. Then it's no longer just about me, it's about the people around me as well. It's about understanding that if there are people that are living outside of God's best for them, it's not that we are better than they are, it's that we are in the lifeboat and they are not. And if we understand that, as the Holy Spirit brings that conviction to our hearts, it should shape and change the way we live. So the first thing we see is the Holy Spirit convicts. The second thing we see is that he's an advocate, Remember, we talked about this last week, that he is an advocate. Do you know what an advocate does? Advocates. That's deep theology, right? So last week, we talked about this idea that an advocate, the word advocate is parakletos and it means summoned, called to one side, especially to one's aid. And we talked about the fact that lifeline, you'd hit the button, I've fallen and I can't get up, right? And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He's the one who comes alongside when we've fallen and we can't get up. This is what he does. He advocates for us. And this word advocate, it can mean comforter, encourage, counselor. And this is one of the roles that I think we need desperately in the world we live in today. We need someone who will come alongside us. Now, I could have had about 12 points this weekend, but I divvied some of them up. So one of the ways he advocates for us is by teaching us. He is an advocate for us. He encourages us by teaching us. In John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says this, when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. I I want you to catch this. It says he will teach you everything. It doesn't say he will teach you a few things. He'll teach you what he knows, but it's somewhat limited. If I came to your house and I was like, hey, I wanna do a plumbing tutorial for you, be like, great, until you found out how little I know about plumbing. I hate plumbing. It is my least favorite thing to do around our house. I hate it so much. If you wanna hear a horrible plumbing story, uh, come talk to me after church and I will tell you a horrible plumbing story. Um, but we, we don't have time to wedge it into this message for sure. And I actually want God to use this so I won't tell the story but my knowledge of plumbing is limited. So I can help you with lots of things, I can't help you with plumbing. But, but what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit is, he will teach you everything. Now, what this is implying is not that if you need plumbing help, call the Holy Spirit. What this is implying is there's no limit to his knowledge. And so what we do many times, if we do allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, we will limit what we talk to the Holy Spirit about uh, in, in scale and scope. We'll say, here's the things that I will pray about. Here's the things I'll ask the Holy Spirit to help me with. Um, and this might sound a little weird to you, but I, I, wanna, I, I wanna help you with just some practical application. Um, this doesn't happen in my house, but I'm sure in some houses it does, um, where a, a woman's purse is like, it's a scientific anomaly. It's like uh, a, literally a black hole. It's like Mary Poppins is just pulling stuff out, like all kinds of stuff reside in a woman's purse. <laughs> my, my wife will say, hey, would you go get this out of my purse? And I'll just get her purse for her. And I'll be like, no, no, I'm not gonna get into this thing. I don't have any idea what's in it. So, um, <laughs> Now, a woman's purse has got stuff all in it, all around it. It is packed full. And to be honest with you, um, I don't want to delve into it. So I get my purse for my wife. And it is full of stuff. There's all kinds of stuff going on in there. Old things, receipts, you name it, right? And it is present in the purse. Um, and if if a, a man tries to get involved in this, it could be a problem for them. And what we see here is when the, when Jesus says he'll teach you everything, there are times when we go, I don't know where my keys are, right? It's it's in your purse. And you're looking through the purse. I can't find the keys. And, and what we'll do is we'll go, well, Go back to the last place you had them. It was in my purse, right? I don't know where they're at. Have you ever been in that position where it's like, I am late right now and I can't find my keys? Now, I've lost my keys. It's not just my wife or my daughter. Um, And typically, what we do is we start getting panicked, we start getting frantic and running around. I can't find my keys, I can't find my keys. And here's something really practical How about if we hit the pause button and go, Hey, Holy Spirit, where are my keys? can you help me with something? Can you bring back to my memory where the keys are? But we won't do that because we don't pray about things like that because we think that's too small for the Holy Spirit. That's too small for God to mess with. But what we see is Jesus says, he will teach you everything. And I believe even things that seem insignificant to us or we think would be insignificant to God, he will teach us, he will show us. There have been times that I've been doing things around my house and I'm like, oh, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. God, show me what to do. There have been situations in leadership, in staff with just life that I'll go, God, I don't know what to do. Show me what to do. And you know what I'm saying? Holy Spirit, teach me. (laughs) I don't know. Teach me. Show me a practical way to navigate what you have in front of me. So we need to pray. Teach me. Show me, because this is one of the things he does. He teaches us. The second thing, it says here, and he'll remind you of everything I've told you. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit is gonna remind you of what I've told you. Have you ever been talking to somebody or maybe you're having a, a moment and you're like, okay, it's in, I think Jesus said something in the Bible maybe about if I open a door, I'll close a window or something like that. I think that's in there. It's not, by the way. But you're like, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I don't know. One of the holy things the Holy Spirit does is he goes, hey, let me remind you of what Jesus has said. Let me remind you of his words. I wanna bring this back to your memory. And what does this do? Well, it encourages us. If you can remember what Christ has said, it's going to encourage you in your situation. If, if you can remember who Christ is and the Holy Spirit is teaching you all things when you are at your low point, when you need a, a paraclete to come alongside you, that is when you are encouraged. That is when you are lifted. That's when the counselor speaks into our lives. Because he's gonna teach us everything and he will remind you of everything Jesus has said. I think this is important when we're trying to share our story with someone, when we're sharing our testimony with somebody of what Jesus has done in our lives. um, We're not trying to preach the whole gospel to them, we're just sharing our story, but sometimes we get stuck and I think the Holy Spirit will lead us in those moments we're confronted by naysayers about our faith, when we're confronted by bad news or disappointment, the Holy Spirit will remind us of what Jesus has said. The third is very similar. He comforts. It's interesting. um, Next week, we'll probably get into the book of Acts a little bit. Um, But in Acts chapter 9, so... Pentecost happens, the Holy Spirit was with us since the beginning of time because He is God. Um, But Jesus exits stage right, the Holy Spirit enters stage left right? So Jesus goes, the Holy Spirit arrives in the book of Acts. and Acts chapter two is when we see the Holy Spirit show up on the scene in the way that Jesus has promised. And so it transforms the church. And then you fast forward to Acts chapter nine, and this is where we're at. And this is in the English standard version. It says, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. Those are two great things for any church, by the way. If they can have peace and they are being built up, That's pretty incredible. How is that happening? Well, it says, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Well, they were walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. They said, we have a, a good understanding of who God is. It's this righteous fear of who God is, and we also are comforted in the Holy Spirit. So he is our friend, we talked about that last week, and he is comforting us. And what happened? It multiplied, it didn't just grow. It multiplied, and this is what God is after. God is after multiplication in your life, in the life of the church, not just our church, the church. How did that happen? Walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. This is another word for parakaleo from the the paraclete, from the uh, word we just saw, advocate. He's a comforter. In John 14, 16, Jesus says, and I'll ask my father and he will give you another advocate or comforter and he will never leave you. Did you see this? Who will never leave you? One of the things that brings us comfort is sometimes when just somebody's with us. Sometimes as pastors, we feel the pressure to have every answer for every situation that comes along. And there are some times that, I've gotta pull the veil back a little bit, we don't have the answers we don't know what to say. And so sometimes it's important for us not to fabricate something, it's important for us just to sit there. When you're sitting with a man watching his wife die and you've prayed every prayer you know how to pray, I can preach a message or I can just be a comforter, I can just sit there, I can just be present with them, right? When you're sitting with a family who's dealing with devastation in their lives, I could try to preach a message to them. Well, let me tell you what the Word of God says, and there's a time for that, but sometimes we just need to be present. We just need to be there. And the presence is comforting. And this is what Jesus said He's saying, Hey, I'm going to leave, and an advocate is coming. And guess what? When he comes, he is not leaving. He is present, and we are comforted in the presence of the Holy Spirit. When he is near us, we are comforted. In the midst of our tragedy and and failure and issues and baggage and hurt and pain, the Holy Spirit is present, and his presence brings comfort in our lives. John 15, 26 says this, I will send you the advocate. Jesus keeps reaffirming this over and over. The spirit of truth and he will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. Now, this kind of reaffirms what we just talked about. Jesus says he will testify all about me. Jesus is going to, Jesus is going to be made known to us more effectively because of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is gonna be like, hey, let me tell you about my guy. Hey, I wanna remind you of who Jesus is. Hey, um, Hey, you've forgotten what Jesus has done in your life. Let me remind you about it. Because I know you are like me. When I'm dealing with something that feels overwhelming, it's easy for me to forget who Jesus is and what he has done in my life. And what the Holy Spirit does, one of his roles, is to come back and tap us on the shoulder and say, hey, don't you forget what he has done. Don't you forget how he has brought you through. Don't you forget how good he's been to you. Because in our bottomed out moments, It's easy for us to go, Jesus, do you even care about me? And the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, he does. Have you forgotten? Let me testify to you what he's done. Let me tell you a story of what he's done in your life. So what happens is it stirs something up up in us. And we go, oh yeah, that's right. And we are comforted in that. Why? Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He testifies all about Jesus. He points us back to Christ. In John sixteen thirteen, it says, when the spirit of truth comes, I love how Jesus just keeps reaffirming who he is. He is the spirit, the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the comfort of the spirit of truth. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he's heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. Now let me start with this last part first because I want to get this out of the way. He will tell you about the future. Now, some of you are like, well, that's weird, because we think of somebody telling the future like um, somebody who is reading tarot cards, I could do a whole, whole lot with that one right there By the way, that is, that is a cheap knockoff of the Holy Spirit that is, that is not godly, it's not biblical When we start delving into things that are, are mystic and uh, quasi-spiritual we're dealing, with, we're dealing with the dark knockoff of who God is So if you are thinking, well that's not that big a deal It is a big deal I got a whole list of stuff that I would say, avoid this like the plague. So when we see things like tarot cards, we go, well, they're just telling us our future. And we go to somebody like that and we go, well, am I supposed to be dating Brad? The tarot card says. Why? Because we're trying to get a glimpse into our future. The enemy doesn't know our future. God knows our future. Because not only does he know it, he is there waiting on us. He has seen it and he is there, right? But this isn't talking about us just foretelling the future. What it's really talking about is us being prepared for the future. The Holy Spirit knows what the future holds for us. And and he's not gonna just tell us, here's who you're gonna marry, here's when it's gonna happen. But what he does when we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives is he prepares us for every, every future that might come to pass. That's really what it's getting at, more than he is going to tell us everything we need to know about the future. Because there's a prophetic element to this, but that's not really what it's talking about, that you were just gonna know the future. So I, wanted to, I wanna nail that down before I get into the rest of this. What does he say? When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And then later it says, in verse 14, he will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. So the two things that he does here, he, he guides into all truth. And then he brings Jesus' glory. He guides you into all truth. Um, this reminds me, John chapter 14, verse six. I, I know you guys know it because you all read it this week because I told you to, but in John 14, six, uh, it says, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So this is calculated, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And then later he's he's talking about the Holy Spirit and he says, the spirit of truth, right? And then he says, he's gonna lead you into all truth. Do you think this is an accident? I don't. I think he knew exactly what he was saying. He's saying, hey, guys, if you really wanna know me, know the Holy Spirit because he's gonna guide you into every bit of knowledge about me you can possibly contain. You want truth, real truth? That's gonna be found in me. But the Holy Spirit's gonna guide you into that truth. And I am telling you, there's nothing more comforting in our lives than knowing Jesus and being intimate with him. And the Holy Spirit ramps up the intimacy we have for Christ because it helps us know him better than we could on our own. He leads us into all truth. He helps us know Christ the way We want to, and I'm telling you, knowing Christ intimately is what brings us supreme comfort in our lives. The fourth thing is this, he empowers. Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus says to his disciples, to his followers, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. It's interesting, because history tells us there were about 500 people who heard Jesus say that. And then when you fast forward to what happens in Acts chapter two in the upper room, they had to wait and there were about 120 who were there. Now what was the disconnect? The disconnect was some people didn't wanna wait. Some people probably didn't believe. In fact, what we see in scripture is that there were some of the disciples who struggled with disbelief even though they're seeing Jesus ascend into heaven. So what that tells me is no matter what you do, there's some people who just will not believe. 380 were not present for the empowerment. 380 people had other plans, were busy, had other things. They just didn't want to wait. Whatever it is, they had a reason, and they missed the empowerment. And those 120 who were present in the upper room were the 120 who set the world on fire for the cause of Christ. They were the, the 120 who literally just a few years later, the the entire world, the gospel had traveled to every, every known continent at that time because of 120 people. How did that happen? Because they were empowered. Because they went and they waited and they were empowered and the result of the empowerment is that we will witness. When we experience God and we have an encounter with the power of God, it will, it will be a catalyst in our life for action. We have no choice when we encounter the power of God but to, to witness, to share our story, to share who Jesus is and what he has done. In fact, what we see is um, in Acts chapter two, the disciples who abandoned Jesus, not just Peter, he gets a bad rap, but all the disciples who had abandoned him and run off, they were empowered in this moment And they were the ones who were present in Jerusalem, and they preached the gospel boldly before all these Jews who had gathered uh, for the Feast of Pentecost from all over the world. They preached the gospel boldly, and three thousand people were saved in that moment. That's if you're a church planner, that's a pretty good day, right? Hey, we added how many to the roll today? Three thousand. That's a good day if you're a church planner. What was the difference? The difference was the empowerment. What went, or what caused them to go from being cowardly to, uh, to bold, was the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And, and it's interesting. Jesus knew what he was doing. In John chapter fourteen, verse twelve, Jesus said to his followers, "I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father." Now, this is this is in context of him telling his disciples about the Holy Spirit. So he says this, and he says, remember what he said, it's important that I go away so that the comforter, the advocate can come. And what he says here is, because, and there's a, the implication is, because the Holy Spirit is showing up, you're gonna do greater works than I did. Now, it feels a little sacrilegious to say it like that, doesn't it? You're like, well, we have gotta defer, but we're not the ones making this claim. Jesus is the one saying When when you're empowered by God, by the spirit of truth, by by the Holy Spirit, you're going to do incredible things. And this isn't for you. This is for the glory of God. It's interesting because we see this throughout scripture. We'll get to that in just a second. Um, This goes back to one of the things we said a few weeks ago, that the gifts of the spirit are for encouragement of the church and to be a witness for unbelievers. The purpose of the the gifts of the Spirit is to encourage the church and to be a witness to unbelievers, draw unbelievers. If you wanna know more about the gifts of the Spirit, specifically, uh, you can find those in Romans chapter 12 and in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. And we'll get into some of those next week. So he baptizes This goes along with number four. Number five, he fills. He fills. And as I said, the Holy Spirit has been in the business of working in people's life since the beginning of time. In Genesis chapter 41, verse 38, uh, Joseph Joseph had uh, been thrown into the pit, sold into slavery. He was wrongfully accused of rape. He had been in prison and he ends up in the, uh, the throne room of Pharaoh. And the way he ended up as the number two man in Egypt is because he interpreted a dream that Pharaoh had. And this is what Pharaoh said when that happened in verse 38. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like the man so obviously filled with the spirit of God? He said, it is clear to me that he is filled with the Spirit of God because he knew exactly what my dream meant. I believe what happened is the Holy Spirit empowered him for this specific moment. The Holy Spirit filled him and empowered him to to be able to do something he couldn't do on his own in that specific moment because God had a plan. He filled him. We see in Exodus chapter 31, um, God was endeavoring to build his home. And it says in verse one, then the Lord said to Moses, look, I've specifically chosen uh, Bethalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, expertise, and all kinds of crafts. He said he, has, he is gifted, but he's gifted because I filled him with my spirit to do a specific work. See, I think God will fill us to do something for his glory and for his kingdom. We see this in the book of Judges, that normal, everyday people were filled with the spirit of God to accomplish a task that God had for them. We see this with the prophets, that many of them were normal, average, ordinary people who were committed to God, and God empowered them for a specific purpose. In fact, even in the book of Luke, in Luke chapter one, we see the story of John the Baptist and his father, he, he can't speak until he writes down. Uh, his, his wife is pregnant with John the Baptist, and he writes down, he's been made mute, and he writes down, his name is John. And as soon as he writes it down and they read it, pff, his mouth opens. And he begins to praise God, and he prophesies. And what it says in Luke chapter 1 is he was filled with the Spirit and prophesies. And he prophesies about who John is and who Jesus will be. He was filled with the Spirit. Now, this is This this predates what we see in Acts chapter two. So what we know is that that God fills us with the spirit. We talked about this last week a little bit. The mystical ways of God should lead to practical outcomes in the world. So when God fills us with his spirit, it should lead to something practically good in our world. It should help solve a problem. It should make life better for people. It should not be about us just feeling good. John chapter one. John the Baptist was talking about Christ and he said, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him, talking about Jesus. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one. So so John the Baptist baptizes Jesus in water and he knows that this is the Son of God because the Holy Spirit descends like a dove and it rests on Jesus' shoulder. And it's interesting because he uses the word baptize here. And it's it's common for us in Scripture to talk about being baptized in the Spirit. And this word can have all kinds of connotations. Um, It's interesting though because what we see here, this word that's used is a, a, Greek word, it's baptizo, and um, it means to dip repeatedly, to immerse, to submerge, like a a ship that sunk, and to overwhelm. This is what it's saying happens to us. When we're baptized in water, we're baptized, baptizo, but it's, it's not just that we're baptized, we're submerged, we're immersed. Is they have problems bringing up sunken ships because the water has infiltrated the wood it has fundamentally changed the structure of what has been submerged it's interesting because what we see is that there's a difference between these two words for baptized there's bapto and baptizo and these words are important because Bapto and baptizo, for a lot of years, they didn't understand the difference and why one was used regularly, one was used infrequently in scripture. And then not too long ago, they actually found a manuscript. It was basically a recipe that a poet wrote who lived in ancient Greece about 200 BC. And they found this recipe for pickles and in the recipe, he's describing the process for making pickles. And what he describes is the fact that you have to dip the vegetable into, or whatever you want to pickle, into boiling water. You dip it in there, you immerse it, and then you take it out. And then what you do is you, you baptize it, baptizo it into the, the vinegar solution. And it's interesting because it defines these two words specifically, It helps us understand context. And what it's saying is one is temporary and one brings a permanent change. One cleanses the outside, one fundamentally changes what it is of substance. The Holy Spirit wants to fundamentally change us. And what he wants to change us into is the image of God. So if we say, Jesus, I wanna be like you, the best way for us to do that is to say, hey, Holy Spirit, baptize me. I don't, wanna, I don't wanna just be dipped. I wanna be immersed. I wanna be covered. I want you to infiltrate who I am. I want you to get in every nook and cranny of who I am. I want you to change my heart for you. I want you to change my heart for lost people. I, I want you to do the work in my life that I can't do on my own. And this is the thing. The Holy Spirit fills us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. But what we see earlier is that it's actually Jesus that baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Because John said there's one who's coming who will baptize in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one who baptizes us. He's the one who's inviting us into this. He's the one who's saying, you should check this guy out. And if we really trust Jesus, then what would our objection be to saying, okay, God, I want all of you. God, I wanna wanna know the spirit of truth. I wanna know the advocate. Show me who he is and what he wants to do in my life. That's my challenge to you. It begins with knowing Christ. But, but Jesus is saying, let me introduce you to my friend. You gotta meet this guy. Because the Holy Spirit is a game changer in our lives. And I'm not talking about the lives of preachers. I'm talking about in our normal, everyday life. The Holy Spirit wants to work in us. I was talking to a, a member of our church last weekend. And he said, thank you for the way you're teaching on the Holy Spirit. And he said, because you're low pressure, um, it's not weird, and and I appreciate that. And I, and I told this guy, I just said, my goal, my hope, is that we will see how practical the Holy Spirit is in our normal, everyday life, that it's not about what happens in this room when we're together to corporately worship, but it's about It's about my drive to work on Mondays. It's about what happens in the office during the week. It's about my relationship with people around me. It's about when I go to my kid's ball game on the weekend. It's all those things. God, let the Holy Spirit work in our lives, not to be weird, but to to make us effective. That's what he wants. That's what I wanna invite you into. So right now, I'm gonna turn it over to our host in Blairsville. They're gonna close out the rest of this message. They're gonna give you an opportunity to respond. But I want you guys to know, I love you more than you know. I'm so glad that I get to be your pastor. God bless you. So we got two more weeks of this series. And, um, and you're gonna have opportunities. And, and after the series is over, that doesn't mean that's the end of the opportunities to walk in this relationship. So you've got time. I'm not pressuring you. But I also want you to know that there's no reason to wait. If you're just nervous, that's okay. That's okay, we'll pray with you, we'll believe with you. But I'm telling you, there's no better time than right now to see what God will do in our lives. So I wanna say that with as little pressure as I possibly can, because I'm not trying to pressure you. Um, I don't wanna trick you into doing something, but this is something that has impacted my life so deeply and profoundly that I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't talk about who he is and what he wants to do in our lives. Like I said earlier, though, it all begins with our relationship with Jesus. It starts with us saying yes to him and being in relationship with him. And then what he does is he says, let me introduce you to my friend, the Holy Spirit. And then what the Holy Spirit does is he reminds us of who Jesus is over and over and over again. He shows us, he reveals that to us. He teaches us who he is. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need Jesus because Jesus paid the price for us. So if you would, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes over this place. Heavenly Father, minister in us in these next few moments. Show us who you are. God, reveal to us how good the Holy Spirit is, the spirit of truth. So God, show us, remind us, and I pray that any anxiety, any fear would melt away. And God, I pray that you would truly lead us into all truth. Lord, have your way with us. Lord, I pray for those that aren't in relationship with you, that don't know you. Let let tonight, this moment, be the time when we surrender our lives to your uh, your lordship, your kingship, your holiness, that we acknowledge that we can't save ourselves, we can't earn a way to heaven. The only way that we can do that is through relationship with Jesus. So God, I pray now would be the time that we would say yes to you. We would abandon ourselves to your goodness. So God, show us, reveal it. And with your head bowed and your eyes closed, nobody's looking around. If you would say to me, Mel, I'm not really in relationship with Christ, but I know I need to be, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just wanna pray with you. And if you, you say, Mel, I wanna be included in that prayer. I wanna surrender my life to Jesus today. Would you be bold enough to slip your hand up real high where I can see it and you can put it right back down? If you'd say, Mel, pray with me. I wanna be included in that prayer to surrender my life to Christ. Yeah, thank you. I see you on my left. Praise God. Anyone else? Just a few more seconds. Say, Mel, pray with me. Yeah, I see you up in the balcony. Awesome. Awesome. The book of Romans tells us, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so I I wanna pray this prayer with you. And I just want you to pray it after me. We're gonna pray this prayer out loud with our mouth, but I want you to pray this from your heart. I want you to mean it. I don't want you to just repeat words mindlessly. I want this to be a prayer from your heart. So pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving Jesus, your son, to pay the penalty for my sins on the cross. From now on, I repent of everything I've done. I turn away from my old life. And I'm turning to you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. From this moment on, I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, can we give God a round of applause? Listen, if you prayed that prayer with us and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, I want you to know scripture says you're a new creation. Uh, The old is gone and the new has come. And so we would love to help you take the next step. In fact, it's vital for us to help you take the next step. So please don't take this lightly. Um, take a moment and either fill out the card in the seat back in front of you and take it to the info center for us. Or you can take your cell phone and just text the, the word Summit PA to the number 9400, 94,000. When you do that, we're gonna be able to respond back to you, get some of your information and get some information in the mail to you that's gonna help you take the next step. So please take advantage of that and let us help you do that. Here's what's gonna happen now. We're gonna sing one last song together. We're gonna worship God together one more time before we go. And and I wanna encourage you. A couple things are gonna happen during this. We're gonna sing and I would encourage you to sing with us, worship with us. Um, But our prayer team and some of our staff are gonna be here at the front of this room and we're available to pray with you. So if you need prayer for any reason at all, um, from healing to just relationship stuff to whatever's going on in your heart or life, or maybe you would like somebody to pray with you for the the filling of the Holy Spirit, um, that's great. We would be honored to do that. I wanna remind you too, uh, we do have some brochures available here at the front of the room and also in the information center that, that just talk about who the Holy Spirit is and our perspective on him. And so if you'd like, pick up one of those this week and pray about that and seek God but we're here to pray with you before we go. So why don't you stand in the room, uh, stand to your feet all over the room. We're gonna worship together one more time before we go. And uh, I just want you guys to know, I mean this sincerely, I love you more than you know, and I am so glad that I get to be your pastor. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week.